and uh, to my time with them when uh, the 77 got taken away. Um, so my, my time in P2, I definitely had a lot of time to reflect and uh, really push myself as a driver uh, to expand, um, you know, more than just being in the car and driving. So uh, being with my time at One Auto Sport um, really just allowed me to, you know, think more like like an engineer and kind of develop the car more. So it's definitely skills that I could bring into this program um, and be a more complete driver. So I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, it's it was a nice call to get from Gary Nelson when I was at lunch one day. Just a cold yeah, you just out of the blue. I, I didn't even think to to reach out to Action Express. I was obviously looking uh, to get back into to DP, to DPI with LMDH coming or now the uh, GTP. Um, so I, I was obviously shopping around, but uh, didn't even think to reach out to Action Express as they were you know fighting for a championship. So I didn't, uh, you know, none of us I think knew that um, Nazar was going anywhere. So um, when I got a call from from a North Carolina number, I was, uh, I thought it was spam initially. So it's a good thing I answered. <laughs> also, you, um, you've just been out there, I guess probably was the coldest part of the race. Um, how's the temperature? How's the traffic? How's the conditions? Yeah, as a Florida boy, I'm, I'm really struggling with these uh, freezing temperatures, uh, just being outside. Even in the car, my, my feet are pretty cold. I mean, I can't, my toes are finally getting some feeling now. But um, yeah, just even on the outlaps, uh, it, it really feels like you're in the rain or even ice. I guess it is freezing temperatures. Um, but it's really just about getting past that uh, that outlap clean, even if you feel like you're you know crawling out there, which which you pretty much are. Uh, you get you get past that one lap clean, and um, and it, the car starts to come alive after that. But it's so easy to get it wrong, uh, you know, on the brakes. Uh, we saw a couple people just slowly drive off the track in three and five, uh, just, you know, blocking that inside tire and then uh, driving off the track. So, it's the, you know, getting to the end of this race is just about uh, keeping your nose clean, not making mistakes like that. And how is the traffic? Traffic has been another thing that's been pretty uh, chaotic. Um, honestly, I, I, this is my ninth time doing, I, yeah, this is my ninth time doing this race and it, it feels like the first time, just because it's such a different flow uh, with this many, cars on track track and this much traffic so uh, it's definitely been an eye-opener and you, know, you can go from hero to zero in one lap um, you know build up a 20 second lead and have it taken away in, in one corner just based off of where you get the traffic so um, it definitely takes a lot of patience and um, you know you, you get too greedy and that's when mistakes happen so it's been a good learning experience thank you any others uh, uh, get a mic. <laughs> Just boomerang it. Yeah. Let's go. Go ahead, Gary. Hi, Gary, Watt, Gary Watkins, all sport there. You had a, a little um, contretemps with um, Vortier. Yes. And I think you also had a little off. With Ericsson. Yeah, in the yes. night. Can you just tell us about those two? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sh Well, I know the first one with Ericsson. Um, he had just gone on, a, uh, we were on uh, alternate strategies, so uh, I was on hot tires, uh, the O2 was on uh, stickers, just coming out of the pits. Um, yeah, I went to the outside and pretty much cleared him. Uh, I, I, I got a clear from the spotter, 
uh, turn in, but still left a little room because I know how it is on on the outlaps. And before I knew it, I was uh, I was backwards. So um, again, it's it's an easy mistake to make. It's it's really challenging conditions out there with it being so cold. It, it can just go away from you so quickly. So um, you know, I think it's just the the way that this race is sometimes is very brutal. Um, and then with Vaudier, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, th I thought it was uh, I was well clear, and then. Same thing, I was, uh, you know, I saved it from going all the way around, but uh, definitely uh, got to send the bill to uh, Daytona about my grass trimming. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Hi. Hey, I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, from the outside, obviously, it looks like now we're down to four cars. Does it feel as if it's still any man's race? Is there... Anything you see that needs to be overcome, or, or that you're concerned about with them overcoming? Yeah, for sure. I mean, six hours is still a long way to go. Um, again, it's it just takes one little incident, and then you're you're laps down and out of the race. So this is when uh, every second counts. Um, you know, there's not that there's uh, who knows there might not be that many yellows, or there might be. 40 yellows, and then the 01 might be in again. But uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely with, with four cars, it's still a tight race. Um, all those four cars are, pretty, are shooting pretty equal lap time, so uh, the racing is going to be fierce all the way to the end. Back to Gary. Uh, during the day, during the daylight, the, it looked like the K had 
small edge, yeah. and then it sort of flipped around in, right. in, in, in the dark or cooler. I don't know which one. Or right. Or cooler. Uh, do you think it's going to flip around the other way? I hope yeah. not. <laughs> oh, no, but flip around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I thought uh, the 31 car was, was pretty strong during the night. Mm -hmm. um, the balance was, was really nice, and it was the most neutral it's felt all race, actually. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just the way the, the 31 car is set up. Uh, the Ganassi cars are definitely quick, so uh, who knows what, what they're doing on their camp. But um, yeah, I, I honestly think we'll have, we'll have a pretty strong car for, for the end of the race. Um, I remember during the day it was it was strong, balance was good. Um, so yeah, I, we'll see what the Acres are as well. Um, they got a lot of top end speed, so racing them has been tough all race. Do you think that could be crucial in the run? You know, in that last definitely. Run, yeah, yeah the it, it's just gonna. We saw it at the Roar, right? Um, you know, Westbrook uh, fighting the ten car. Uh, it, it just took takes a, a last ditch effort just to try to get something done. So. Um, I think that's what we're going to see at the end of the race as well. Um, it's been it's been a tough race in that sense, but luckily with all this traffic, it gives you opportunities. So you never know what can happen. Thank you. Great. Not seeing any other hands, so thanks for coming in, Tristan. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you. Have fun. We'll talk to you later on. Hey, um, when, when we get you know like those of us who stayed up all night, we get in the car. And we're tired. I mean, we can stick our head out the window and turn the radio up, do whatever. How do you, I mean, I know you're getting rest, but maybe not enough. How do you shake off that that kind of sleepiness, kind of, you know, burning eyes kind of thing? Or, or is it just the adrenaline that keep you going? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the adrenaline of the competition and try not to die, right? So <laughs> those two things keep you pretty much awake. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure, it's, it's, it's a tough call when they knock on your door and whatever. 5:30, and, and you went to bed at two um, after driving for three, four hours. But um, it's the same for everyone. It's part of what makes the, the 24 hours of Daytona so so unique and, and so special and, and such a challenge to win. Can you sleep, or do you just sort of toss and turn? Um, I, you can sleep. It's it's hard to fall asleep just because you know again you have that adrenaline still going and. Um, you know, usually there's some sort of caffeine supplements that, that you've taken up until that point. But once you kind of just close your eyes and, and uh, you fall asleep and it's fine. But it's uh, it's like, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people in the room agree that like 20 minute naps are great, but like two hour naps are terrible. Yeah. So you kind of get a two hour nap and it's like the worst thing because your body thinks you're done for the day and then you're not. But ultimately, like I said, same for everyone. Um, and yeah, it's all good. That's, that's a big advantage having four drivers. Um, you know, when we were at Team Penske, it was only three of us, and it was a, it was a lot more demand, um, for sure. So, so having four is certainly better. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and, in turn, make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. 
Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Um, I think we get it in that game, maybe more than, than the others. Um, but with that said, I think we, we, we do a really, we try and be very meticulous with how we treat the car. And um, you know, make sure you've got all your components and, and as much of the floor left as possible for the last kind of two hours. Um, so you kind of just try and stay in touch for 22 hours, and then the two hours you use the car up and use everything that it's got left. Um, but every year the pace gets higher and higher. You know, I think I think last year um, until the morning, the fastest lap we saw was kind of like a low 35. Now it's 34 zeros. So at one point you got to start using the car to kind of have that sort of performance. Uh, so it's just it's, it's a balancing act. You know, you you use you push hard in, in certain phases of the race that are critical, and, and you try and conserve in, in other phases. Hello, Holly. I'm just curious. Assuming these four cars get through without any major thing happening, how chippy do you think it's going to get here at the end of the race? Oh, it's already pretty chippy, I think. <laughs> um, which is great. I mean, it's it's a, it always blows my mind. Even thinking back to kind of Petit last year, you know, it was a whatever that is, a ten-hour race that, that came down to the last car, the last lap for the championship. Um, you look back to Daytona last year and. It was a huge fight um, in the final sin with us in, in the 01 car. And I would imagine it's going to be the same again, potentially, with, with four cars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be wild for sure. I think it's going to be a, um, very entertaining for those at home and very stressful for those of us who have something on the line. Good job. Alex, it's your last uh, IMSA race. I'm wondering, do you think you'll miss it? <laughs> it's not my last IMSA race forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just this year. Um, yes and no. I, I really enjoy driving for, for Wayne, and um, that 10-car team is, is pretty special in a lot of ways, from you know the, the management to the engineering department to the mechanics to, to everyone. Um, it's, a, it's a really unique organization. Um, so I'll miss that part of it. Uh, I don't. I won't miss sharing a car. Um, I will miss the the, the multi-class racing for sure. I think that you know when when you compare it to IndyCar, sometimes you can get into an IndyCar race and you'll do 80% of the race kind of by yourself and just kind of pound around. Whereas here, like there's there's never a lap that that you're not with a, with another car and um, trying to fight to to gain time and um, beat your competition. So I think. That I'll miss that phase of it, but ultimately, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of sitting around for sure. Um, but it's it's okay. I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I love this event in particular. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back at one point. Just 
We're going to take a break for a little bit. We're going to follow Of the 12 IndyCar drivers, six are still in contention for class victory. Um, what do you think that says about you guys? Uh, that we chose good teams. <laughs> you know, I think I think this is this is. I mean, I talk about how IndyCar is a team sport, and doesn't matter who you are as a driver, you got to have a good a good team around you. Now, I think that's either tripled or quadrupled that effect. Um, so, so you got to be in the right program and, and have the right people. And I think honestly, there'd be more had had Ganassi not had their issues. So, um, you know, I think that it's it, it gives credit to to the NTT IndyCar series in the sense that. You know the top level teams here, the best teams in, in whatever class that is, um, looked to IndyCar to kind of source their endurance drivers. It, it shows the level of IndyCar and, and kind of the the respect that that it has across all motorsport platforms. So I think that that's very cool, and uh, it's it's been a big honor to be able to represent IndyCar in, in IMSA. Thank you. Anything else for Alex? One more. Molly. How's Wayne? How's what? Wayne. Wayne. Oh, Wayne's up and down. You know, he's, he's a roller coaster of emotions. He's pretty tired right now. Um, but he's, I compare him to, honestly, to Mario. You know, I've gotten to know Mario a lot over the past six years, and, and I think he has more passion for driving a race car and being involved in racing more than a lot of paid professional racing drivers. Um, and Wayne's the same way. Like he, he just loves it. And when it's going well, he's the happiest person in the world. And when it's not, he's the opposite of that. But it just shows his his passion and his commitment for the sport and how much it means to him and his whole family. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.